What is it about the beach you think that, I don't know, just kind of soothes your mind, your soul? It kind of gives you like a like some form of reassurance that there's something more, but at the same time, it grounds you in your own mortality and lets you know or reminds you that you're somewhat insignificant to the grander scope of things. Hmm. I think it's the atmosphere of it, mm. like the sea and the sand meeting together. It's like land and sea, like intertwining. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I think any, well, at least to me personally, any form of water is mm -hmm. soothing and relaxing. Mm -hmm. It's like listening to a stream or like rainfall. It's just, uh, it's like a pleasant reminder, I think, because of the sound of it and i think that that like for example we gravitate towards sounds that are you know enjoyable to listen to mm -hmm. and so at the beach when you're basking in the sounds of the waves and i think it's just something that we absorb and it's also a means to connect to people i think in the past for example people would like we're watching vikings right now right which is a great <laughs> amazing show by the way whoever has not watched it. I highly recommend it. Um, especially people who were fans of Game of Thrones and stuff. But like, for example, the ocean has been sort of like a bridge that would connect different cultures. Mm -hmm. And I think that for as long as humanity has existed, dating back to ancient Egypt, civilization has always developed close to bodies of water you mm, know, like that's true rivers streams oceans and it has always been this great source of innovation of nuance of connectivity of of evolution i think like i don't think people could evolve if there were no means to navigate the way they did mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah and i think that that makes sense completely because that was the only means of transportation mm -hmm. from one place to another if there was a body of water in between because the oceans are so vast mm -hmm. and so they create such a huge distance between you know other countries and i think that like you said that was the only way that people could um navigate come together yeah. and and uh interact with other civilizations and whatnot yeah and then recently we took Shadow to the beach for the first time. And I think he enjoyed it. Like, I was surprised that he wasn't going to be scared because usually he's just frightened by, <laughs> by, water. By, by water in general. Like but, <laughs> but he actually enjoyed it. Like, he, he was kind of fascinated, it seemed. And I, I don't think he was able to bask in the colorful uh, spectacle that we witnessed with the sunset and the pink sunset and, mm -hmm. the, and the blue, like light blue skies and the water even seemed kind of like brighter because of that. Yeah. But recently we both saw a TikTok where, was it a TikTok? <laughs> it was a TikTok yeah. and I just found out. I, I, after my 21 years of living that dog scene mm -hmm. in black and white. In black and white, yeah. <laughs> and it made I me kind of so knew before, sad. But... I never like saw a video like that where it actually shows. Like, yeah, where it showed what it might look like. Yeah, would you like w imagine living in a world without color? Like, would you rather be color deaf, deaf, color blind, color blind? Yeah, yeah, color blind, oh, color blind? Yeah, yeah, color blind <laughs> or completely blind? 
obviously that, colorblind, <laughs> right? It, like that's a stupid question. Uh, yeah. The moment I said it, I realized how stupid it was. Well, I, I was actually gonna ask you if you had to lose one of your senses, mm -hmm. and it can't be smell or mm -hmm. taste, because those are too easy. But if you had to lose one between touch, sight, and hearing, how do you lose touch? Let's say you have no hands. <laughs> I don't know. Let's. Uh, I don't think you could lose touch because I, I can still feel can. stuff with my face if I want to. All right, like but let's stuff. say let's say it comes down to not having hands, you're blind or you're deaf. Not having hands, you're blind or you're deaf. Not having hands, you're blind, you're deaf. Um, I would probably go with not having hands only, only because I've seen videos where people... Because human beings adapt very well, right, to, like, mm -hmm. any circumstance. And I've seen people who have no arms and they've adapted their whole life around the use of their feet. Mm -hmm. So they brush their teeth with their feet. They cook with their feet. They eat with their feet. They drive with their feet. So there's always a way to adapt. It's obviously not Ideal. pleasurable. Right. Yeah, but it's possible, I think. And then if you're deaf... Same thing with, 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 like, being deaf and blind. Like, you still adapt. But I think it's super... It's way more crippling, I think, and limiting if you don't have, you know, audible capabilities or That's sight. true. Yeah, cause it's, because if you think about it, there, well, obviously, I think sight is the most important, mm. in my opinion. Not being able to see, again, you can use a walking stick, but that's just, it's it's definitely extremely difficult. I agree, yeah. And then being deaf, obviously you can't hear anything. So if like it's, I don't know, it's definitely not something that's, um, at least I don't think that it's very, what's the word? Um, when they like, when people custom something, they make it uh, accessible to, I don't think that. The world is an accessible place for deaf people, if mm. that makes sense. Like, for example, if you go to the movie theaters, there's no subtitles on the screen oh, like yeah. that, like in, in that sense. Mm -hmm. Or if you're in class, like there's not a teacher putting up, you know, uh, everything that is being said. Mm -hmm. So they have to live through the world with like reading lips or or um, what's it called? The... Um, the like texture bumps yeah and the stuff. textured like, yeah. Oh, i forget the name but I, yeah I, I so i i definitely think it's a harder it's definitely something harder um instead of losing your hands mm -hmm. because i think that the world is designed by the fall like the the world is biased towards one sense which is sight just mm. like you said like the like society is built around sight i think and i don't think it's built around any other thing well it's built around all the senses but just like you said like when you watch a movie it's it's mainly audible and visual mm -hmm. it's not designed like they don't really take into consideration any any deficiencies because they would just yeah, assume that true. you don't go to the movies mm -hmm. like that's but what would you choose same probably the same thing yeah exactly like you said wow. i was thinking uh not having my hearing but I like music too much. Speaking of like seeing stuff and using your eyes, we've both been super fascinated with the show Vikings. And 
we've both been diving deeper into Norse mythology and trying to understand how it is. Because to me personally, it's like I believe in the stoned ape theory, mm. which is the idea that human beings, that there, there, there was this evolutionary gap that was kind of catalyzed by the use of psychedelic mushrooms and drugs Mm -hmm. so that for example uh the brain's development is largely because of the use of mind expanding substances by our primitive ancestors Mm -hmm. and i believe in that i believe that the the use of mushrooms in general have not only evolved our species but also evolved our belief system our ideologies um, religion it has created these foundational columns and structures of humanity which you know revolves around gods and mystical beings and whatever we think we believe in mm-hmm. and basically what i'm trying to say is don't you think it's fascinating how most of vikings most of norse mythology is predicated on ritualistic use of psychedelically psychedelic enhancing drugs i definitely think it's interesting and i think that um because we've also watched you know joe rogan speak about it his experiences with like dmt for example mm-hmm. just dimethyl tryptamine <laughs> I, i'm seeing that name very nice that you know uh, but i think i definitely think it's interesting um because if you think about it the we don't understand i think these drugs there's no um concise or or clear cut like meaning or you know for every single person it's like kind of subjective mm-hmm. what the effects of drugs are especially psychedelic drugs and so i think that it's interesting when people use the same drug and have the same effect and that's what happens with DMT and mm. and people visualize the same things and they're able to like just the way that they've described DMT is that like we've seen before they say that they're in reality but then there's all these other things around them that's mm-hmm. happening in their reality it's like they're able to acquire a, a sixth sense right. where you can see a different layer of reality that yeah, was that, concealed from you beforehand. Exactly. Yeah. So it be it becomes exposed through it. It's almost mm-hmm. like a, a gateway. A key. Like yeah. a key. Like you're unlocking this like whole different reality, which I don't know. It's super interesting. Mm-hmm. It's And I think, for example, in Vikings, right, they use mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And then they see the gods that way. Yeah, they speak with the gods. And they that's see the gods. yeah. So that's their that's their connection between their world and the their spiritual world. Which is crazy. Also, the fact that they 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 were one of the first civilizations where they actually like they didn't fear death, and mm-hmm. that gave them the upper hand when dealing with um, Saxons and de- and dealing with Christians and. And dealing with any other civilization at that time because people really praised life over the otherly world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you ask a Christian, would you rather, like, would you sacrifice yourself for Jesus Christ? Like, in theory, they would. But in practicality, it's always, like, this certain level of hesitancy, you know? Like, you mm-hmm. always hesitate. You always hesitate. While Norse mythology, it's like they will openly and willingly sacrifice themselves for their gods Mm -hmm. and they view death as something to look forward to 
You know, right. like they view death, they put death at a higher importance level than life itself. Mm-hmm. And that's what granted them this courage and this power and this prowess to devour and kill and whatever. And conquer. I think that the the drugs definitely play, play a role in it because mm-hmm. maybe they see something that gives them a greater purpose mm-hmm. that doesn't exist here, that doesn't exist on earth or, or where they are right now. It exists somewhere be, like great and beyond, like something transcendental. And, and I think that, for example, um, in Vikings, the Anglo-Saxon or the Christians, right? Mm-hmm. They, um, they, they even explicitly said that they fear death um, and that they, um, how did they put it? And that the Vikings, as opposed to them, would be more uh, ruthless in, in throwing themselves in the face of death because mm-hmm. they seem unafraid of it, mm-hmm. like you said. And I think that that's a big reason why they're always talking about how they'll meet again in Valhalla and how they'll celebrate. And it's kind of like the heaven for Christians. But for Christians, it's kind of like you will meet your fate when it comes mm-hmm. to you. And then for for the uh, Vikings, it's the same concept, except that they're willing to throw themselves like into battle for example mm-hmm. and face whatever comes yeah because christianity revolves around a, um, a moral framework if you mm. will so in order for you to reach the gates of heaven you have to abide by this moral uh code mm-hmm. and ethics and way of acting and being in the world which doesn't involve violence like they actually repel against like like they revolt against violence the right. use of violence except back in the day when they would you know, like uh, torture people and they would take the book too literally. But today, like modern day Christians, they don't really, I don't know how to explain it. It's like Norse, like Norse mythology praises, you know, it praises. I don't know how to explain it. It's it, like, that's the way to get into Valhalla is through violence like there's no other form and that's why from birth you're taught to fight and you're taught to be a warrior and you're taught the ways of the gods and you're taught the strengths of the gods and how they're always they're always washing washing they're always watching and how to worship them how to please them because that's your gateway into heaven Mm -hmm. it's kind of like fighting for your religion right Mm -hmm. and for christians it's it's the commandments for example so though that is how they live their lives as like devout christians Mm -hmm. that's how they live their lives as exceptional people people who sin but um learn from it and confess it and whatever and then the vikings on the other hand it's it's kind of it's kind of like they're they're not punished for the types of things that Christians would be punished for, mm-hmm. at least not in the same sense, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, for example, like you said, the violence. So that's something that the gods, if it's if the intention is right, that's what it comes down to for mm-hmm. the Vikings. And I think with Christians, it's very, like, very strict, very, like, uh, stern Mm -hmm. laws or rules to abide by like no matter what the intentions are you should never kill someone right or you should never commit adultery whatever 
And then for the Vikings, it was it. I think it comes down to intentions more. So does it serve the greater purpose of your people mm-hmm. and the gods? Yeah, there's a lot of honor mm-hmm. to it. If you were put in the same time frame as the show is placed in, and you're in the position of like Athelstan, right? Who's who has to choose between the pagan gods and the Lord Almighty Jesus Christ? Like, which path do you see yourself going down if you were placed in that situation and you saw like every like both sides of the coin, like he did? Oh, I think it's, I think it's so hard to decide only because you that that that. Something, for example, Athelstan came to the realization of what his real belief was, which I won't spoil here. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's something that you have to experience firsthand in order to make that like decision. decision, Right. But I would say seeing the show and watching it, I would probably end up sticking with the Vikings Mm -hmm. only because the... Uh, Anglo-Saxons were pretty much at high risk, right? So the only way that they can approach a battle is logically because they, like the Vikings are very, you know, savage, very whatever. And then in terms of the religious aspect of it, I think, again, that's something that you would have to experience from both sides in order to understand it. But I would probably, again... Go, stay with the, stick with the Vikings only because how they explain the works of their gods it's it's interesting and Athelstan got to see things that he had never seen before even as a Christian who he thought like was fully immersed in the works of Christianity mm-hmm. if that makes sense how it about does, you yeah. uh, I think I would be with the Vikings for sure hmm just because I think they're 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 better rooted in the whole in the idea of what's real. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't create an idealized world. They simply embrace the world that they're in, mm. and they draw connections to something more. I think Christians, especially the the um, Anglo-Saxon Christians, they were very conservative in their way of being in the world because they lived mentally and spiritually in this idealized conception of mm-hmm. what reality should be. That makes sense. So I think Vikings are just more realistic. Like, for example, Bjorn, right? He went um, into the wilderness. And like a common uh, thing to do back then was you would go into nature alone and you would uh, like announce it to your village and say that you were going to go prove yourself to the gods. And the way you proved yourself to the gods was by confronting nature. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's any other religion that is that realistic in terms of being true to personal growth and being true to your own development as a person versus devoting or expecting personal growth and development from an ulterior, not an ulterior, but an exterior force and power. Mm. So I would really resonate with the Vikings and I do really resonate with them and I'm fascinated by it because of that. Because I think that and I think that show really represents the the constant struggle and battle between different religions, but not only different religions, but the personal struggle that every human being I think uh undergoes to like varying levels, which is the need to have faith. I think that biologically and like DNA wise, mm-hmm. we need 
to have faith and believe in something. That makes sense. And that that actually puts it more into perspective, the part where you said that they're more realistic, right? Um, because, and that goes back to how they don't fear death because everything is, um, it's like kind of inevitable in their eyes. And so it's yeah. like, they're, they're super realistic in that sense where it's like they understand the horrors of the world and they're not going to try to escape from it or try to create or pave a new route to, you know, keep away from it, right? Mm -hmm. So they understand corruption. They understand the horrors, the dangers, the whatever it is, all these different concepts that, like you said, the the Christians or other religions might try to stray away from because they have these morals. Mm -hmm. And so the... Um, the Vikings are definitely more realistic in that sense because they just understand the world better and mm -hmm. they're not blind to it. They're not naive to it. It's about uh, growing with it instead of away from it because you can't. Um, how do I explain it? I, I get it. Though. You can't better yeah. yourself as a person unless you truly grasp the the negativity that exists in the world yeah and then if you don't then you'll always be naive and blind and that just restricts you in a sense i think i also think that to like today right most people are atheists mm. i think i think that people who have faith i think i think the number of people of faithful people who abide or subscribe to a certain religion is on a decline mm -hmm. and people are resorting more and more to like self-help books and to just optimizing their own selves and to like really curating and developing their own inner god if mm -hmm. that makes sense and if you look at at that fact from a catholic or a christian perspective you'll see that there are a lot of um recommendations against it right christians do not like the idea of or i so like i think christians kind of are against my dog is is going crazy right now mm -hmm. and it's every single time that we do a podcast but i understand what you're saying though i think um especially the younger generation is more um what's the word has kind of like a like a um no no faith in anything if that makes sense sorry guys i'm just trying to super frustrating every single time we try to do a podcast mm. pe people upstairs like decide to agitate shadow and have him bark and stuff it just pisses me off oh my god and it's super distracting i don't know if it picks up in the audio probably does but it's just super distracting like you can't focus yeah my my train of thought just like disappears it just diminishes but okay so what what i'm trying to get across is there are a lot of atheists and a lot of non-believers in traditional religions so there's by default, an opening, an opportunity for people to grasp and fill in that void. And I, and I think that that's where the celebrity, um, like celebrities in general, come into play and idols and icons, 
because we need and we hunger for worship. Like mm. we hunger for the opportunity to worship and devote and devote ourselves to something greater. Right. So when you remove the traditional icons and the traditional religions, there's an opening. And that's mm. where these false idols come into play, like musicians, artists, uh, you name it. Like just yeah, and, know, just famous people in general. And people will actually almost like obsess over them they they keep tabs and then that kind of becomes their religion because then they start to develop certain attributes that those uh celebrity icons put out right mm -hmm. so if someone is um if someone worships a rapper for example then they start like they start comparing themselves they start creating like this uh this aspirational relationship where you right, aspire to aspiring yeah. to be that and and then that's kind of how religion religions work it's you want you you kind of aspire to be good or aspire to be uh whatever your your um your uh <laughs> personal god or mm -hmm. whatever may represent so whatever they represent you aspire to be like or work towards that, mm -hmm. and I think the same goes for people who worship celebrities. It's it's the same concept. So they'll um, aspire towards whatever it is that they embody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, no, that's pretty spot on. I was gonna say something right now. I forgot. Ah, uh, fuck. Uh, shit <laughs> it was on the top of my it, it, it always happens my tongue. jesus christ every episode we have these brain farts i was gonna say something along the lines of holy shit this is pissing me off because it was a good point that i was gonna make was uh, it about the celebrities the celebrities holy shit no anyways i i can't i can't remember right now but um, what what was I gonna say? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Do you want to just segue us into something else? Cause uh, I can't remember. Okay, um, let me think really quick. I just got like a brain for it. Why do you think people gravitate towards these like vulgar and and violent shows? For example, Game of Thrones and Vikings, like these like medieval kind of esque i think people like violence i think mm -hmm. we're innately violent i think we suppress it a lot mm -hmm. with societal standards like thou shall not kill thou whatever but if if we were unrestrained and there was no limiting factor at all we would be super sad like super savage in my opinion mm -hmm. we would be the vikings and even the vikings have norms and standards and they have rules because if you let it just run afoot and just run crazy, like you'll have, you won't have a civilization. There's no progress, I think. And you see that in war. Yeah, because war is an opportunity. War, to like especially if you're, you know, front hand the uh, soldier in the army, you're once you get that opportunity, it's like there are no restraints, like you said, and so they, they go completely like just just seeing red. Mm -hmm. And so they all of a sudden, everything that you stand for, if you thought you would never kill someone or whatever, that just disappears, just goes away. And then that 
like because because that's the main purpose of it is when you are in a battle for example in a war that there's that um exhilarating feeling right it's like right right it's like and not even that but it's kind of your purpose it becomes your purpose and so you just like you just um take it on fully i think it becomes your purpose because society uh honors it Mm -hmm. and society rewards it so if you look at like veterans and stuff like there's there's always um there there are certain privileges when it comes to taking on purposes that aren't innately yours if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so you can apply that to any framework in my opinion so you could apply that to religion where you take on this purpose that isn't necessarily yours but then you're going to be recompensated tremendously with the idea of heaven Mm -hmm. so if you take on oh i i remember exactly what i was going to say (laughs) is that if you think about it every religion is just really great at marketing I think that Mm -hmm. every religion is just a huge marketing campaign. And the reason I say that is because the Bible and the ambassadors of that Bible and of those words, Mm -hmm. like that's all they are. They're just brand ambassadors of that idea. And if you apply that to modern day, for example, a lot of people can see Drake as being a god and he himself labels himself as being the sixth god he claims territory he claims the country same thing with kanye claiming himself as like jesus right like i am a god jay-z claims himself as being hova uh j cole even like humbly claims himself as being the god it's like everybody's a god kendrick is a god look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And so you're consuming whatever they're putting out more their mm-hmm. information their their stories like mm-hmm. you're consuming it more and that's what that's what i was thinking about too when i said that people who worship celebrities they like over consume it mm-hmm. because they just find truth in every single thing that they say or do like it's almost as if it's not flawed they become like brainwashed kind right of. and then and then that's what i was going to say uh to your point about how um how uh, people become brand ambassadors, you want to try to convert and lure in as many people. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot with like um, Catholics or Christians or other religions. They try to convert, right? So they'll come to your doorstep and then knock and they'll try to read you because I've had those like the Jehovah's Witness Mm -hmm. and they'll try to read you like passages from the Bible in order to like bring you into their church in order to bring you into their yeah, into into their tribe Yeah, and I think that it's super interesting it's like, like you said and and I also find it interesting because it all comes down to um, I think it all comes down to one, one thing that no one is sure of, right, of what it is, because I think that every religion is just a representation of one thing. And what's the one thing? I don't know. 
But that's why there's so many variations of it. There is, yeah. I think that that one thing is super, is just like, it's ambiguous and uncertain to everyone, to the population. And so people made up their own adaptations and variations of this story. Mm -hmm. And then that's how religions came to exist. Because if you Mm -hmm. think about it, even Odin, there's a story of him uh, almost being like, practically being crucified right so Mm -hmm. he was tied to a tree the tree of life right and then that could kind of resemble jesus christ on the cross for nine days and nine right right and then it's like this it's also this like repetitive and the stories they kind of align Mm -hmm. in some way or another but yeah i think that that's interesting i think religion and power are (laughs) very close relatives yes because i i also think that religion is obtain this level of importance because of the of man's need to acquire power and control over those around them and it started with the kings it's yeah for sure the pharaohs Mm -hmm. so the pharaohs would deem themselves as direct descendants or even gods themselves so Mm -hmm. they would be living gods amongst humans and mortals and the way they they did that was through genius marketing genius presentation um it's it's a it's a uh what do you call it it's a performance i think Mm -hmm. a lot of it is a performance and that's where i really resonate with what shakespeare once said that everybody's just an actor and that life is a big stage and that you're just trying on multiple like roles and masks and Mm -hmm. you're just like playing the part and i think there would not be dominance if there was not this connection to uh divinity and the way that you justify anything that is divine is by um, exposing that symbol, which could be Jesus Christ, it could be Odin, it could be whatever symbol or personality or persona you create, is putting that person into a, a, a treacherous circumstance that is irreversible and that is logically uh, you just can't come back from it. So that's mm-hmm. where the crucifixion, the suffering, the sacrificing oneself, which is what everybody values the most, is your own life. It's, mm-hmm. it's your existence. Like the idea of death is super scary to everybody. So when you get that one thing and you create this image of someone who does it willingly and for the sake of others, that person automatically becomes well accepted by all of humanity. Right. And I think that that, that's the reason why Christ resonates with so many people, like so many different cultures, you know, like there are Christian Asians, there are Christian whatever, like every part of the planet has the Christian ideal Mm -hmm. to some extent. Because it's it's kind of like, um, how can I explain it? If if you believe that there is this perfect person that can exist, right? Um, how like how does it make you look if you don't aspire to be that? Because mm-hmm. if not, then you're just settling. And then you know what I mean. So then yeah. there there's power in it because people all look up to the uh, this perfect being. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we all want to think that we can have like that. We also have those traits in us and that mm-hmm. we can, de- can develop them ourselves. And that's why there are monks and that's why there are devout Christians, because they think that if they 
if they put themselves in that lifestyle for a prolonged period of time and they undergo all of the things that Jesus did to some extent, like they would reach that level. And I think that even then, I think people just want to become holy and just want to become gods themselves. I think that there's there's a huge paradox to the whole religion equation. It's, for example, don't pretend to be God. Like stop trying to be God, which is what Travis said, mm-hmm. right? So stop trying to be God. But it's super paradoxical because I think everybody aspires to become right. holy and divine to some extent, like be it through your moral. Um, I don't know. Like people want to be remembered, for example, and that's already one way in which people want to be like a, like a God. Yeah. They want to leave a legacy. They want to be uh, Impactful. known after years and years. And that's why I mentioned kings, because that is how they <clears throat> civilized other cultures was through religion. And mm-hmm. so religion was the power. So if we can civilize these people and make them believe what we believe, then we've already uh, fed into our power more because mm-hmm. now we have control through this one thing that we share in common, which is religion. And it's something that can't be proved or disproved. Right. And that's why it's super powerful because like you're, you're even if you're the most calculative, scientifically inclined person, you can't, say with any assurance that god doesn't exist like you can't because there's mm-hmm. no proof because there's no proof by default the scientific method requires proof mm-hmm. right so then it just becomes a hypothesis it's like oh like whatever like if he doesn't exist or if he does then this should have happened and stuff but it doesn't and i just think it's yeah i think it's power like power is just the main governing force i think mm. of all humanity i think so too to too. every level right I, think. I don't know and that's why I really fuck with Kanye's Twisted Dark Fantasy. <laughs> so we're starting a clothing line, right? Um, do you want to tell people a little bit why we're starting a clothing line? Or what? Or 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 do you want me to start? <laughs> you can start. Yeah. You, okay. you use words better. So I think, okay, so the clothing line is called Vitruvian, right? Mm-hmm. And... It mainly revolves around the idea of humanities, of man's placement in the greater scheme that is the universe and life and existence. Mm-hmm. I think that what we're what we're going to try to achieve is what Banksy accomplished with street art. He began a conversation with society and society's standards through his paintings and through his graffiti and through his uh vandalism quote unquote throughout the city of london Mm -hmm. and i think he's one of the greatest artists ever because of that because there has always been this one-way conversation right so you're so it's called brandalism you walk through Times square you're constantly being feeded and you're constantly being shot with commercials with propagandas Mm. with what you should wear with a certain types of standard of beauty standard of of everything. So mm-hmm. there's already these predefined standards that are already exist before you're even born. And then it's your job to fit yourself into that framework and to make sure that you abide by whatever standard it is because you know otherwise you won't be accepted into a tribe or to, or into a little group or community basically and you'll be ostracized. Mm-hmm. So what Banksy did was he was like, "No, like this is bullshit. I'm not going to just be silent." I'm going to express, I think, what most people feel and express it through art. 
And he used the walls of London and the walls of the city to do so because the city belongs to the people ultimately, right? And I think that that's what we want to accomplish um, with the clothing brand is to create a conversation and to make people think it's to stimulate a thought and stimulate a more expanding perception of reality and not just be crippled and limited to whatever you've been told your entire life. It's to really be edgy to an extent where we push people off the edge and push them off the cliff and just force them to develop their own wings and fly themselves. And does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, it does. And it's kind of like having a conversation that only exists between the lines. Mm. So instead of what people are used to which is the obvious being stated right in front of you it's it can only be read in between the lines it's mm-hmm. things that you um you have to be open-minded to i guess mm-hmm. and then i don't know how to explain it, but yeah basically yeah, yeah. that it's forcing people to use their neurons more it's like forcing them to recruit Mm. more neurons to think it's not a basic uh let's use an example a basic gucci t-shirt that just has a a a bunch of monograms and Mm -hmm. just you know it's covered with a gucci symbol there's no thinking there it and i think it just is what it is it just is and i think that that defeats the purpose of what fashion truly stands and represents fashion and clothing is the ultimate form of expression. It's how you want the world to see you. It's a con- it's a conversation by default that you mm-hmm. are having with every single person you encounter throughout your day. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Starbucks and you order a coffee, you're having a conversation, even if it's not uh, voluntarily or explicitly or orally, you're having a conversation with the attendant, with the employee when you're ordering your latte right, right. by just the way you're communicating. So they're communicating back as well because they're wearing the Starbucks uniform. So they're an employee and you just understand that and there's an understanding. Yeah, I get what you mean. And and that's why clothes and, and that's why fashion is a very um, highly impactful in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like people are always concerned about what they're wearing, yeah. right? And so they want to have the best of the best. They want to have quality. People are willing to pay for quality things. People are willing to pay for things that are more expensive in order to be perceived as wealthy, mm-hmm. right? It just It's like whatever you put on is a perception that you want to give off to other people too and not just for yourself. Mm-hmm. Which I think defeats the purpose completely yeah of individualism of Mm -hmm. individualistic expression because think about it everybody wants gucci Mm -hmm. right if everybody wants gucci then what is the purpose of wearing gucci at that point because because look to me it has to be something for example if you put a more expensive price tag if you put a higher price item out there on the market you would do it in my opinion the best way to do it is to do it as a way to limit limit the access so that it's only reserved for those who will actually um admire it or who will actually Mm. resonate creating like an exclusive uh, exclusivity yeah (laughs) exclusivity that requires certain prerequisites in terms of understanding and truly resonating with the piece so if we drop a hoodie right 
we want to drop a hoodie that ha- like is powerful in of itself. And I think that the message instills the value in the fabric and not the f- the other way around. The fabric mm. does not determine the power of the message, but the message instills the value within the fabric. And that is how we want to go about it, is just creating these pieces and these statement pieces that if you wear it, you will catch people's attention when yeah, you're walking and, down the street. And it might not be something that people will gravitate towards and like instantaneously. No, exactly. It'll be something that, again, something that you you only will understand or or will truly be compelled by it if you look in between the lines, if you make exactly. connections to different worldviews and mm-hmm. whatnot. It's and, an acquired taste. Right. And that's why you're clashing, because um, you already did some samples, you're clashing music with art, with movies and film and philosophy. And philosophy. And then taking all of these components that are essential to our being. It's what makes life relatable. pleasurable and relatable. Yeah. And bringing it into something, like you said, that is the way that we express ourselves, which is through exactly. our clothing. Yeah. And and we want it to be an acquired taste. So the same way, for example, if you look at a piece that we drop, let's say a hoodie, and let's say you're, you just don't resonate with it mm-hmm. in that moment. But let's say that three years from now, you evolve as a person and you, and you acquire new experiences and you acquire, wis- college, you acquire <laughs> wisdom you can look back at that hoodie now and see it through a different lens and actually resonate with it. So it's the same way as like people who don't like caviar, you know, like you, like yeah, it's you, an acquired taste. Like you, you can have come to, back to it and end up liking it. And I think that goes for anything. Yeah. I think that, well, not just anything, but things that are of like high quality that were very thoroughly thought through mm-hmm. and that, and not even just thoroughly thought through, but kind of thought ahead. Like we kind of spoke about in the last episode about thinkers who think ahead to the future, mm-hmm. five, ten, 10 years. years ahead, yeah. Right. They have the best ideas because they're thinking out of the box. Mm-hmm. And so they created things that people gravitate towards because it's something unique, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It does, yeah. It does for sure. And I don't know about you, but I like stuff where you have multiple different interpretations on. Mm. So that's why I I love art. So art, you can get a piece, a painting, whatever it is, a sculpture, and you can look at it. And depending on the angle and stuff, and this is what we talked about already on on a past episode, you acquire different perspectives and different understandings of what that is or what the intentions of the artist was. And I want clothing to be that as well. I don't want you to just want to get our piece because it's exclusive, limited, and expensive. And let's say five, ten years down the line, it becomes something more broadly accepted and and popular Mm -hmm. because of that. Like, I don't want it to be the solemn reason. I want it to be something that people will wear it pridefully, knowing that they resonate on a spiritual, fundamental level with the messaging and the pictures and the depictions on the fabric. Right. Rather than just acquiring the fabric for the sake of of quality, which most of the time is bullshit. Mm-hmm. There's vir- like there's virtually a a um a 
negligible difference between the quality of a fabric that's two hundred bucks or two thousand dollars versus, versus one, one that's a hundred or twenty, right? Yeah. So there's like there's it's all perception, it's all marketing, and that's truly what it comes down to. It's just perception. And and I was going to say too that if you look at society, right, and and how people dress, it's always in alignment with how other people dress Mm -hmm. so for example um and i think that certain clothing items do eventually kind of resurrect themselves or come back Mm -hmm. um into light just like the mom jeans right so high-waisted jeans and crop tops like that's something that people wore in the 80s and now it's becoming more popular again and it just comes back and it's because everyone kind of influences each other to have this shared uh, style of clothing, right? And I think that that's something that you can't prevent or you can't really sway around. So there Mm -hmm. will be the few who have their own extremely individualistic style, but the majority all share more Mm -hmm. or less the same style in, um, in, uh, how do I explain it? In unison, in, in unison with yeah. with uh, in accordance with their standards, and right? Their in accordance with society standards at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, however, people dress to go to the gym now with you know matching gym sets, right? Like leggings or whatever. That's something that's a like a unified thing because everyone, like every girl, does it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I mean. It's like that is something that you can't prevent. And so there will be the few who do uh, have this individualistic style, but it always coincides with whatever the majority Mm -hmm. has has been wearing, if that makes sense. And that's what we should prevent because to your point of Gymshark, right? Almost every girl at the gym looks alike nowadays because of Gymshark. Mm-hmm. Be- because every girl uh, like likes it, and and they're not wrong in you know um, promoting the brand because the brand is a quality brand. Like their material, their fit, everything. Like they have all the boxes checked. But what I do find interesting is that it has become. It was once a status symbol because of its more underground nature. So it was less known to the general populace, right? Mm-hmm. Not many people knew of Gymshark at a certain point. And so if you wore Gymshark, people would kind of compliment you, look at you and be like, oh, like that's pretty dope. Like that fits you pretty good. Where where did you get it? Now it's just a commonality. It's just right. a, like, like it became the standard. Just so like Gucci and stuff too, I think. Became the standard as right. well for like high fashion. So if you're, if you're a person who likes spending a little bit more when you purchase your clothing, Gucci is a basic brand now so it defeats the purpose of being high-end of being unique because i think uniqueness is what ultimately defines it so if we ever dropped a um a fitness line through vitruvian we would drop it's extremely limited like maybe one set and you would have like that one person who purchased it would be able to bask in the glory of having that one piece that Mm. nobody else has so that person in of itself, like like they they have uh one, if that makes sense, in the in the subconscious competitive 
scenario right, that right. is to like like who's going to be more unique like who's going to stand because out because people are hyper competitive and so they're always comparing themselves to others and what they don't have or what they do have over others mm-hmm. and so if you see someone with something that you've never seen before and you don't have access to it it makes it all the more um gratifying when you do get it mm-hmm. and you want it more yeah and you yeah. want it more you kind of like crave it and you don't even know why you want it sometimes. yeah like you, you don't know it. and and i think that at there was a point where gucci for example gucci michael kors like all these brands they were definitely more of a luxury mm-hmm. and i think now they've kind of become stale yeah. Because so many people have have just overindulged in it and overconsumed it that it doesn't even have the same value I think that it once had. And you know what's crazy? And people still think it does. And people think it does because of the price tag. Because of the price, yeah. And and for example, like with the Gucci belts, in my eyes, it's so overdone. It is. It's so overdone. It's so overused and tired and. And I think it's so interesting because people still flaunt it as if it's, you know, something to, you know, something that's like empowering, like, oh, like I look at what I have. A but status symbol. but if you've already grown past like these ma- just looking at things materialistically, then you kind of reject those ideas mm-hmm. and you understand that that they're not as uh worth it or valuable as these other people make it if that yeah you know what i mean yeah and that's what i think i think that it's super interesting how because of a price tag people put more value on something but then again when when other people are acquiring it and a lot of people are acquiring it and a lot of people are flaunting it it just becomes less valuable and that's one of the reasons why I forget which um, major fashion house did this, but I think in the recent maybe year or two, one of the major fashion houses, they came out and they said something about how they don't like how uh, the hip hop community is appropriating these items mm. and not appropriating them, but promoting them. Because it's devaluating their brand. Mm. And it was super racist when it like, came out. Like Yee's uh, Saint Laurent, right? Mm-hmm. That's something that's super like hyper mentioned in the hip hop culture. Yeah. Like Saint Laurent. Gucci, uh, Gucci, Gucci gang. Right. Yeah. Like all types of all types of high fashion, like you said. So that's super interesting. And it's crazy because they said it explicitly. They said that they do not want the hip hop community to (laughs) represent their brand and they were uh like bashed on twitter because of it obviously because they were being super racist see and meanwhile they're pushing more traffic towards those brands like if you think about it you can be broke but if you save up enough money just to obtain this one item this one like ticket item because mm-hmm. that's how people see these things and yeah. they will save towards like the people who don't who aren't naturally or uh like wealthy right or very well off where they can just like over consume it and buy as much of as much of these high fashion brands as they want mm-hmm. but for people who do want to have that status symbol like you said they will purposely and intentionally save up for that in order to 
yeah. to flaunt it or, or publicize it. Thinking that it'll bring them something. Thinking that it'll bring them more value. Yeah. So them getting this thing of value will add value to their character. Will p- make people want to be around them. Be around like them, or, them or 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 whatever. And yeah. I think that that that's interesting because the hip hop community is pushing more traffic to these high fashion brands, and then all of these like you know um regular people just end up feeding into it Mm -hmm. because then they want it too it just becomes a cycle but they don't want the high traffic and that's what blew my mind it's that they for for a company to refuse money and like financial growth is something worth i think analyzing and that's what i did at the time i was like looking at it and what i realized is that these companies they would rather choose perception over monetary gains Mm. so they value their perception and their um, brand framework Mm -hmm. and brand story than any flux in volume of purchases and capital right so they would rather keep it in their little you know uh mainly white um customer right. base it's like upkeeping a reputation upkeeping an image exactly mm-hmm. yeah because your reputation is what defines the value within the fabric and that's what i meant by our clothing line it's like we don't want the the reputation to be the solemn indicator of any value within the brand we want the brand like the clothes to speak for itself it's mm-hmm. like this piece is 120 bucks this piece is 180 this piece is 3000 10000 it doesn't matter but if it's that price, it's because it's like there's something more to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I think that that's what they've tried to accomplish is they tried to accomplish exclusivity mm-hmm. by making their items like super high price, like purses, for example, or over thousands of dollars from mm-hmm. these stores. And so they made their items high priced in in the in the thought that you know only the highest only the one percenters right only the one percentage of people could obtain it and then they would maintain this reputation that they've built for themselves Mm -hmm. right and then all of a sudden you're getting traffic from you know normal regular people average people who aren't part of that one percent and then you're you're kind you you kind of become stale like i said because anyone can get it Mm mm-hmm and, and so, anyone could save up for a pair of Yeezys, a, a right. Gucci belt, or whatever it is. It ruins that exclusivity that they initially uh, probably like based their brand around. Mm-hmm. Was like Gucci being kind of like far fetched or or out there in order to obtain it, and now it's like, oh, I I could get that too. Yeah. So I think that that's interesting. I think that the main takeaway is quality over quantity for sure. Mm. And how you define the quality truly matters. And there's misconceptions of what truly defines the quality of anything, of a thing, of a person, of a of anything. And that people have been disconnected to a great extent from what it is that truly embodies that. And that's why the Vitruvian logo is a bunch of symbols, which we'll get into on the next episode and explain to people if they want the breakdown of why we chose everything but it's essentially that it's reconnecting people to their greater being to their greater selves mm-hmm. and reconnecting them with god but god being whatever they define for themselves and not what society defines for them and i think it's also reconnecting people with culture like with cult- culture, like yeah. 
culturally enlivening and invigorating things and not things that things that aren't um benefiting you in any way mm -hmm. right so right now in our culture what's popular is social media and whatever else people see on there but we want to take it into a direction of like where it forces you out of it and takes you into different uh periods of life for example too like going back to like renaissance era going mm -hmm. back to you know ancient egypt or ancient or like you said connecting you to something greater mm -hmm. that doesn't exist on a screen it doesn't exist wherever you're looking you kind of had to 100 we we want to teach people how to read again mm. and you guys interpret that however you want but that's what we want to accomplish through Vitruvian is teach people how to read and how to see and that's it and that's that's pretty much it right yeah right, <laughs> so, that so that's an hour um we will be uh taking so we are trying to accomplish um we are still figuring out the exact formats in terms of where we'll be placing the podcast we're building a website right now so stay tuned for that uh we're gonna be on one of the social media platforms we don't know which one exactly but we're gonna be doing more um lives and just to really extract more questions and more mm -hmm. comments from people and so that should be fun but if you do already have a question and you have any comments or any disagreements or agreements or any praises or congratulations or whatever you want to tell us or talk to us or just say hi Feel free to drop it in the comment section. Feel free to review this episode, the show in general. And yeah. Recommend we'll it to your friends. Recommend it to your friends. <laughs> become ambassadors of this religion that is mentally gone. <laughs> We're creating a cult. We're recreating a cult. And yeah. So that's pretty much it. And See you guys next time. See you. And what? what <laughs> no, never mind. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Peace. <laughs> you always hit the thing. Jesus Christ. <laughs>